Hi there. Thank you so much for coming back to listen. Welcome back to another episode of Enlightened by Aoife. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, which is Nadia. She has amazing insights into grief and trauma and resilience and just cultivating self-compassion and kindness to ourselves as we're going through the process. I would like to put out a trigger warning on today's episode. We do touch on topics such as suicide, depression, low mood, illness and resilience. So just if you are triggered at any point throughout today's episode, please feel free to turn it off or pause it or come back at when you're in a better headspace. Um, and just to let you know in the show notes and in the descriptions here, um, I do have links to available resources here in Ireland. Um, so feel free to link in with some of those services if you would like to heal or are affected by anything in today's episode. Anyway, without holding you back any further, I am delighted to be able to announce my third guest of the podcast, the beautiful Nadia. So welcome back to another episode of Enlightened by Aoife, where we inspire hope and healing. So I have a lovely guest on with me here now. I have Nadia. Do you want to introduce yourself, Nadia? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me, Aoife, and... uh... Thank you for everybody who's listening to us and supporting the lovely Ifa who invited me today. So I'm Nadia Bajrami. Don't try to pronounce my surname. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Keep it to Nadia. <laughs> so I'm a multi-award winning uh, hypnotherapist. I'm a mind coach, a psychic medium, as well as an intuitive development teacher and mentor. And uh, soon to be a grief specialist, um, something very dear to my heart, as well as a Reiki healer. Yeah, so you have uh, a lot of tools in your tool belt there. Um, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like inspiring, helping and healing a lot of people. So I'm honestly honoured to have you on the podcast today. Um, but I was hoping to talk to you about a few things, but primarily like why grief and like how, like that's such a painful topic for a lot of our listeners. And, and at some point we all actually have to face grief. It's part of being human. Absolutely. Um, but like how can we approach it in a way that that, like honors the feeling but at the same time helps us to still continue on with our lives because it is debilitating and well the interesting thing and I love the question my um I'm training with uh, the international grief specialist uh, David Kessler at the moment uh, to become a grief educator at the end of June I will be qualified and I listen to a lot of his podcasts as well and I think in one of them he said people are just asking me how did you come about grief you know when they didn't know him and <clears throat> the gentleman a teacher lost a lot of people and of course you don't think at university or when you or whatever when you grow up you don't think oh I'm going to become a grief specialist it doesn't come naturally no. uh, you know it's not like oh I want to be in sales or I want to be you know I want to to sing but like to be a grief specialist is not something that we actually think of as a as a career and to me it's not a career it's a calling so I'm already a a trauma something I didn't mention I'm a trauma and empowerment specialist and when my therapy and spiritual work I do mainly really work on on the trauma side of things and grief to me was the missing link or the missing component of what I was offering to people because I could definitely help a lot of people through, you know, the limiting beliefs and different types of traumatic experiences. But when it came to grief, 
I felt stuck at some stage. I said, there's something missing in my therapy toolbox. This is the, the professional side of things. But why grief? Because I went through a lot of grief myself in my life. And just to clarify as well, when we speak about grief and loss, it's not only death of a loved one. Primarily, yes, we think about losing somebody through you know, death. But it's also the end of a marriage, the end of a career, the end of a calling, you know, uh, people playing sports, get an injury and then their life is over. Yeah. According I, yeah. to them for a while, you know, and, and, and this is, this, that, that's part that's very interesting that I felt there was a gap as well. And through my own, to come back to my own life, I lost my dad when I was nine from cancer and my family sent me away. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm now, I'm, I'm actually smiling because I can talk openly about it. Yeah. And it took me from nine years old to literally 26 years after when I was 35 to acknowledge the grief and start talking about it. Yeah. And I can openly talk about it. And after that, I lost one of my very dear school friends who by suicide, she, yeah. she actually jumped over the cliffs in front of me. Oh, While wow. I was, she just said she was coming back, you know. So and, that and, is, that yes. is trauma. And I lost somebody in the war. And I lost my soulmate at the time from cancer when I was in my early 20s. So it's a lot of grief all at once. And there's a lot to have to, <clears throat> it's a heavy load to carry. Um, but like, I, I know myself, like, I don't always necessarily notice the emotions when I'm feeling it. So like, how could somebody recognize grief or... And now, grief is a topic. Yeah. <laughs> we won't have enough time to yeah. cover all this. But um, the way I work, and I will work anyway at the moment, as I said, I'm finishing my training. But the grief education part to me is very important because we're not counseling. We're not technically redoing therapy as such. It's therapeutic, but it's really a grief education. So it's educating people on grief. Yeah. And one of the first things we always say uh, that, that I love, actually, I heard in a lot of podcasts and I use myself is, you can't heal what you don't feel. Yeah. So Powerful. the first thing is really, and I think you know yourself, if you know, being in the mindfulness and mental health, that the key is to start acknowledging the feeling. Yeah. So then you can start the healing process. Because as you said, when I lost my dad, people, I shut down completely I didn't want to talk about it I wasn't grieving something yeah, just seems stopped common though like I, I saw that with some of my friends who have lost their parents or even like like seeing it like people grieving mm -hmm. like what they thought a relationship could have given them not necessarily the relationship but their idealization of the relationship that's right and like people genuinely grieve and um, I think it's really, really um, important what you said about feeling what you feel because um, for the first probably about six years of my recovery or my healing journey, mm -hmm. I was going to therapies. I was I was doing the work, but outwardly I was I was a happy, bubbly, go lucky type of person. I wasn't showing up and being authentic to the emotions, so I was suppressing them. And then when I went home, it was 10 times worse because I was like taking off this mask and then having to face everything. And it just it just was so much harder and it was so much heavier. And that's why I want to have these authentic conversations with people like yourself. Like you're so knowledgeable and I do kind of want to, to move into like the trauma side of things that you talk about because a lot of people shy away from that because trauma is quite a scary word trauma like sometimes when we think of trauma we think of car crashes and we think of these massive life events that like yes. cause catastrophic um effect, like impacts on, on, on everything on, on our lives or on the environment but trauma can be simple 
Trauma could be like a teacher constantly picking on you for spelling words wrong. Or trauma could be the fact that you always feel left out in situations. Like looking back after just recently being diagnosed with ADHD, I realized that constantly trying to measure myself against neurotypical people, that caused a massive amount of trauma and it's damaged my self-worth. So building that up and acknowledging that feeling and acknowledging that hurt and and, and and giving myself time to actually grieve the fact that okay that little little girl was was trying to reach an expectation that was not achievable for her and that's okay but all that pain and suffering now I'm trying to heal from it so it doesn't affect my current day life yeah and and you've touched on something very important and um just to come back to grief because grief is a is a type of trauma you know it's probably I mean again we can't put words on it everybody will live trauma and grief differently but the key in the grief work I will be offering and that I'm very much at heart uh, for me at the moment is that we're meeting people on their journey so this is what I said it's not specifically doing therapy and telling them what to do is we're actually meeting people where they are on the journey and walking the path with them yeah. and being of service so it's not even it's not even helping people on, on that grief side it's I'm not helping them because I'm not fixing them You're because like helping and fixing them that's right because helping and fixing would mean they're broken people who are grieving are not broken and people who are going through trauma to my I mean in my understanding are not broken either yeah you know things have happened to them that broke them but they're not broken you know, we're helping that. them to get over it. And, and I hate actually this expression that I used to use myself. Oh, I'm broken. I'm a broken woman, even with oh, j- yeah, joking, I you know. That, yeah. And I said, no, I'm not broken because I don't need anybody to fix me. And I don't intend to fix people. I tend to facilitate the healing, even in my trauma work or, or any type of work I offer. I, I do use this word facilitator. Yeah, no, I think that, that that is it. And like that's similar to what I want to help people with, like with mindfulness. Like, I wish practicing mindfulness will just fix all your problems mm-hmm. this, the first time that you do it. Unfortunately, that's not the case. You have to get up and choose to want to be better. You want to get up and choose to want to heal. Yeah. You can't do it. Like, and, and like I'm speaking for myself. I'm not shunning anybody because there's been many a days I've woken up and I've just gotten back to bed because it just seems too heavy. It seems too hard. But those are the days that I continue to feel bad and I continue to feel worse. Like the days that you choose to get up, even though it's hard, the days that you choose to put in the work and do the meditation, even though it's the last thing mm-hmm. that you want to do, those are the days you're choosing to heal. Yeah. And those are the days you're choosing to to face those traumas that are scary. They are scary. And like, I'm not saying that you need to fix all the traumas all at once. <laughs> like I have traumas in boxes that I'm not ready to unpack mm-hmm. yet. But the ones that I can... I am and I'm doing it in a way where I feel safe like with your services and with all the things that you offer like you are an incredible tool like like facilitator and tool that people can utilize to one better understand to feel safe enough to actually go okay no this this little little version of me was wounded and like I need help to go and 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 carry her along so that she feels safe and that she feels or he feels like okay to actually acknowledge who they are now absolutely Um, and and I think again yeah something very important and I love what you just said about you need to be ready 
mm. as well. And 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 I always now now because I am so much passionate about helping people through grief and and trauma overall. I I keep talking about the topic, but in in grief, for example, uh, as as well as some of my trauma work with some of my clients is sometimes people just want you to be there for them and just be there for them which is they don't want advice. to be helped they yeah. don't want advice mm-hmm. and there's different stages as well as the different stages of grief there's also different stages of the trauma trauma work sorry because obviously as a trauma therapist and a trauma focused hypnotherapist when people come to me you know we start working we 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 put the wheels in motions but we're not necessarily going 100 miles an hour because yeah. sometimes as i said let it be grief or other type of traumatic experiences people don't want to be helped just yet you know and 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 they just want somebody to be there listen to the story listen to them repeating the story even yeah before they you know they, they reach that place through our help you know to be ready to start doing the work because uh, something I heard also recently is that meet people where they are on the journey so you can take them where you want them to be that's you know? very good and yeah. you can't actually tell them where you want them to be you need to meet them on their journey on that trauma work that inner child work you know all the core wounds you meet them where they are on the journey so you can then take them to where you want them to be and where they also want to be um yeah. ultimately no i think that and then also like for a lot of people like they hide a lot of these things because there still is very much shame and a stigma. Mm-hmm. I even get it like, oh, people, what do you do? Oh, I talk about mental health openly and honestly. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, but like, do you not want a job? Do you not want a relationship? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, but like these authentic conversations are important. This is mm-hmm. what breaks down the stigma. This is what gives people a space to feel like they can talk about it. But often if we haven't talked about it and we feel all these emotions and they feel so heavy and overwhelming, the thought of even actually making that first phone call or that first import, uh, like appointment is, is, is genuinely petrifying because you don't know what's going to come up because you've bottled so much up and you've Absolutely. probably accumulated like a decade of trauma mm. at that stage. Um, and you don't even, might not even know what's the prob- like what the problem is. Because um, like when I started, I, I would go into the room and I'd just look blankly at the person being like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I have so much to say. I don't know. Um, but, like, you don't need to to let everything out all at once. Absolutely. It, it's really important to meet people. And I'll, re- I'll not repeat that enough. And, and trust sometimes, yeah. yeah. My clients are sometimes surprised at the beginning when I say that right at the beginning of our work together of, like, it's okay to feel, just feel. Sometimes we can spend 35 minutes of a session just with somebody feeling. Yeah. Without doing any people call it deep work yeah but the feeling for me is the deepest work because the feelings are coming up and they're being acknowledged and then you you create this little space safe space where you can start planting the seed of you know your recovery your healing and and just what you said as well is very inspiring about the trauma and I know I know you do a lot of amazing things yourself <laughs> and and you're inspiring a lot of people and, and hopefully a lot more people listen to the podcast because it's it's very much needed. And I've heard Thanks. the same as you. Nadia, do you not want to, to have a normal job? I used to have a normal job for years. I was in sales. I was a sales director <laughs> and I was a corporate, uh, you know, for years and years. So, yes, I had the normal stroke job, you know, but that didn't inspire me. And, and when I, I do now, 
it's very heavy sometimes, you know yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I go home and I think, okay, I need to leave that behind me. So I'm working on my own self-care. But it's just so rewarding when you see that somebody was not able to be hugged or touched due to trauma after working with you. Yeah. You know, gives you a big hug and says, thank you because you gave me my life back. Not because you fixed them. Yeah. You, sh- you help them see that there is a way out and that the real them, the little girl, as you said, the yeah. little boy, was always there. All they needed is to be nurtured again, to, to gain it. trust again yeah. so they could move on. And to just to, something on the trauma as well, definition. I love what Dan Siegel says, you know, and he's involved in positive psychology. And he says, trauma is any experience that overwhelms your ability to cope. So any experience overwhelms your ability to cope. So that can be a car crash. It can be being neglected. It could be everything you did not get as you grow up because people feel yeah yeah i wasn't no one idea i wasn't I listened beaten. to an audiobook about this yeah. yeah a lot of us feel like there's we don't understand why we're feeling low or depressed or anxious because nothing significant happened That's in true. our childhood but just because something significant didn't happen or you weren't mm-hmm. like um or, or abused or anything like that you you could have you could have not received the care that you needed or, or the yeah. the love that you needed or maybe you went through something and and you tried to communicate your needs with somebody mm-hmm. and it was shut down in a way so you felt like you couldn't express that anymore That's right. um, uh, or maybe in your early early childhood you developed unhealthy attachment styles like there's God, a, that's another podcast I, if I can tell you I can talk about this all day <laughs> you've touched on my favorite things yeah yeah <laughs> But um, I actually did want to want to go go back to for a second. Um, so if somebody is feeling down and feeling mm-hmm. heavy and feeling like, oh yeah, like it's easy for them to say they they've started all the work and then they're in this field. What is your advice for someone who just needs to start? Well, I'm going to be very <clears throat> sorry, very basic probably, but it's just to know and hopefully what we do, you, me, and other like-minded people, is just to raise awareness that they're not on their own. Yeah. Whoever is, my, my advice is reach out to whoever you feel comfortable with, even if it's not a therapist to start with. And I mean, you know, sometimes my, some of my peers would say, Nadia, you're shooting yourself in the foot here. I said, no, I don't, because seeing a therapist or a professional is absolutely, uh, to me, indispensable. Yeah. But before you're ready to do that, as you said, we're not always ready, you know, and that's the key. My advice is just reach out. Let it be a neighbor, a good friend talking and first of all feeling and being honest with your feelings then reaching out and talking about the feeling not talking about fixing me or helping me just listen to me be there with me and that's my advice because in mental health it's crucial and we've seen it with the pandemic you know we're all craving for social interaction yeah. You know, so to me, the first advice is reach out. There's a lot of organizations and not necessarily as I said, therapist, definitely therapy to me is indispensable at some stage in, you know, in the healing. And, and, and even I don't like to say recovery process to me doesn't mean anything, but the healing process. Yeah. But it's, it's not to stay on, on, on your own. And, and in Ireland, being French, when I came here a couple of years ago and started this line of work is everything is grand all the time. Yeah. And it's something I, I am actually fighting now when my clients say, no, it's grand. I wasn't, you know, abused or beaten. Or, uh, but I said, yeah, but what did you not get? Yeah. As you just said, you know. And then Mental Health Ireland are running a campaign going, hello, how are you? Mm-hmm. Where you ask the question twice. Because in Ireland, we do have a habit of going, ah, yeah, sure, I'm grand, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but how are you? Ah, sure, I'm all right. Like, 
no but how are you and then if you do actually ask it a few Mm -hmm. times people are like actually I'm not doing that great like um, but they won't say that and then actually I wanted to go back to a point you talked about earlier because you did mention um oh gosh um when people open up about advice so if somebody comes to you about their mental health and you panic you're like oh I don't know what to do listen so many times um, when I tried initially, because I battled it for, for, mm-hmm. for a long time, and so many times when I tried to open up, I would close off as soon as people were like, yeah, but just do this, mm-hmm. or just do this, and they'd give me, like, they'd almost bark advice at me. And like I appreciate that their intentions were good, but from someone that had no emotional energy, and that was fronting mm-hmm. the whole time, when I actually had, when I actually did open up the conversation, I was, I was down. I was very, very down and I was trying to find a way to mm-hmm. kind of take off the mask and just show up as I was. I didn't know how to do it. But as soon as somebody started kind of giving me advice that I couldn't follow through or I didn't have the emotional energy to follow through, the mask would go back on. That's right. The mask would go back on because it was easier than actually having mm-hmm. to try and implement their advice and then feeling like they, they're not happy with me because I didn't follow through on their advice and it didn't work for me and then it was like the unjustified guilt that followed and it was just it was like almost like when I opened up about mental health it made it worse but that wasn't it wasn't making it worse it was my perception of the the support I needed from people. Uh, yeah. and I love what you just said because <clears throat> again I'll come back to grief but it can be applied to anything I, I talk more about grief at the moment because that's, I'm deeply in studying it and you know working on this but people sometimes all they want is for you to listen you know we've all heard on the grief process especially with that fast-paced environment you know you lose your mother and then two weeks later your employer expects you to be back because come on it's been two weeks now you know it's you know like Get yeah. on with it. Well, no, because there's no... Un- Why am I talking about this? Because there's no expectation in trauma and grief in your feelings. And people, when they come with their advice, they have ex- they set expectations. And when we are on that journey of healing and even just feeling it, the trauma and talking about the trauma, the last thing we want is people to tell us how to do it yeah, and give us a time frame. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I feel is people drop their expectations on you and then you feel worse because you're actually coming just to talk and then people tell you well you should do this go and see a therapist go and you know oh come on now you know the funeral is over I mean go and take a week's holiday and these are just advice or what we call banalities that nobody you know our time heals as well how many times have we heard this yeah these to me are actually banalities which I, I tell people around me Please don't tell that. Just if you can't do anything, just actually don't say anything. Yeah. And there was an interview of a panel of people who went through different types of traumatic events in their lives. And they were uh, replying, I think, to, yeah, they were answering a few questions. And one of them is, what was your best help when you went through all that trauma? And the three or four people on the panel said, having somebody who would just listen to me repeat myself. That's complain. Yeah. They use the word complain. When I was complaining, moaning, whinging, repeating my story, to have somebody would just stay there, hold my hand and just say, I understand, you're okay, you're safe, you know. And often when people repeat back what we have told them, we can hear it in a different view, mm-hmm. in a different lens, and often that can facilitate healing. So that's why when we say just talk about it or just like let's start talking mm-hmm. about it, when you resonate with something and you go actually, oh, so they also felt what 
I feel and this is how they coped or this is how they perceived what I said to them. So maybe I they can problem solve around it and maybe find an extra skill or an extra way of coping. Or yeah. um, So sometimes it's great if you get advice, but sometimes it's great if you just hear what you said back. But the advice can be very, and, and again, I mean, I'm being very careful with the words I'm using. The advice can be very dangerous because we, 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 we're not in their shoes. And even though I lost my father, somebody else might have lost their father. We haven't, we, we're not living the grief the same way because as I, I keep saying it around me, grief is very personal, like, like any traumatic experience. It is, you yeah. know, so you can't. I mean, I am not in a place, and I will never do that. Tell I've, you know, I've friends who have lost their parents recently, and can't just tell them, "Yes, time heals, and you're going to be okay," you know, and do this and do that. Because even if I've went through that, my journey was different from their journey now, you know, and the relationship with their loved ones was different. And this, I mean, it, it's so complex. But to me, to start with, really, is talk about it and find a safe space to talk about it where people are listening. You know, in, in sales and in mentorship programs, we talk a lot about um, listening skills, mm -hmm. active listening. We're not very good, uh, and I include myself now far better due to the line of work I do, yeah, me too. far better. But we're not very good at actively listening. You know, as people say, I'm hearing you, I'm not listening to you. Yeah. And, and to it, me, it's, sorry, it's just, sorry, I'll finish no, on no, that. No, no, keep going. It's part of the first point of help, yeah, listen. But I also yeah. think when people are going through a traumatic experience, they may experience dissociation. So it's very mm -hmm. hard for them to actually listen. So like, I think it's important if you're supporting somebody who is grieving or going mm -hmm. through trauma to like give them that kind of little bit of wiggle room if they don't remember things or if they repeat themselves because the brain doesn't have that short-term memory or, yeah. or like to store a lot of that information so they may need to go over things a few times and they may, may need your support or your words of affirmation a few times um for sure but um do you have any advice on how somebody could support someone who is grieving? Because our grief is like a very personal um, mm -hmm. experience. Same with mental health. Like I've seen that in group therapies. Like we all know what that root feeling of depression yeah. feels like. We all know what that feeling of feeling like we can't go on or we're feeling that we can't cope. Mm -hmm. We all have different target behaviors. So coping strategies, negative coping strategies are positive. Um, and what works for me doesn't work for somebody else. Yeah. But... The support is just like listening, understanding. Is there anything else that you would add? Well, to that? definitely, as I said, this is to start with. And, and in my um, now line of work to come as a grief educator, it's really, I, I will advise this, send them to people like us to start with, mm. you know, without going into, you know, that big, big, big therapy, you know, that can be scary when you lost somebody and they say, oh, I need to go and do therapy now as well. You know, that makes them feel, oh, I have something wrong with me, even though, Going to therapy doesn't mean you have something wrong, but in people's mind, especially when they're grieving, going to therapy will mean, oh, so you think I need, you know, to be fixed. So to me, is this is why I chose to become a grief educator and not a grief counsellor, yeah, because yeah. I want to help people to educate them on grief, first of all, to make them understand what grief is, even when they're actually, especially when they're on that grieving process, to explain to just what grief is and to listen to them absolutely, you know, active listening, to explain grief, to also challenge as 
we work together to challenge their beliefs. You know, different stages of grief, yes, but also, you know, there is a lot of guilt yeah. with grief. Yeah. So to challenge that, to help them release the, the grief. But also, as I said, all this goes together, but to help them express their feelings because that's it, it's actually a grief educator is there to be with you, to, to sit with you in your grief process. And then when you feel comfortable with us, we, we start, as I said, educating you around the grief and, you know, what, you know, death shapes the grief as yeah. well, understanding death, bringing some scientific facts as well around, you know, when people feel guilty. That so this is resonating died, a know? lot with me um, because I have a family member who's very sick at the moment and they're not how they used to be. Um, they're, they're very sick and uh, I miss them, mm-hmm. but they're still with us. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I have to be careful here because I'm well enough, but like I am grieving the conversations we had mm-hmm. or or the support that I would get. And although I can still go and talk mm-hmm. to this family member, I feel guilty. I feel so guilty for missing them, even though they're still here. Sorry, I'm getting upset. <laughs> uh, they're absolutely normal. They get emotionally fine. And I think, you know, this is what I love your podcast here because we're real people yeah. sharing real lives and real life stories, not just, you know, bringing the wealth of knowledge, which we do as well, but not just sharing the knowledge. It's one of my favorite expressions, which has become my probably my motto now, uh, is make your mess your message. Yeah. And I think that will very much resonate yeah, with you. Mine is paint, turn your pain to purpose. There you go. So, because, yeah. or as Oprah Winfrey would say, my one of my source of inspiration, you know, turn your wounds into wisdom. is helping all this, wow. using all that yeah. and helping people. But what you just mentioned there is about your loved one. Um, is very inspiring and is something I want to work to actually focus on in my grief work is what we call anticipatory grief is the person is not gone yet and you're missing everything you can't do with them and you also know that at some stage in the near future or you know that you know in the future they will leave you or they Mm. will go so there's that anticipation of I'm not going to have them anymore so you're already grieving when you're not what you're not going to get and on that comes as you said the grief because you think I should have done more I could have done this yeah this is it time is now or oh I'm not not spending enough time with them or oh I should have done this or oh if I only knew this I would have done this more or like I and like like I think it's really hard as well when Facebook memories and Snapchat memories come up and you see that old version of them Mm -hmm. and then you're immediately teleported back and then you you feel this overwhelmed hurt and like it's almost like not anger but just like Guilt, confusion mm-hmm. about like why this has happened and then you think about what you would have said to them or like all the time all the things you would have thanked them for mm-hmm. or what you could have done better yes um so I'm I'm really sitting with that and do using my actual DBT skills to sit with unjustified guilt because mm-hmm. I recognized that it was the guilt that was was holding me back and that was really hurting me and then I I had to reframe that and do a lot of positive psychology be like no I am a good person I did show up the best that I could with the time and mm-hmm. the resources that I had they know that they're loved um but like repeating them over and over and over again when I was sitting with the physical feeling of guilt like it was almost like I know I need to do this but I don't feel it yet like uh, so 
it's it, it is a work in progress it's not a straight line um and another thing about the drama is um that's one thing that I found the hardest it was okay I'm getting better I'm getting better I'm getting better and then all of a sudden I'd have something happen and I would feel like I was catapulted straight mm-hmm. back and I was getting angry and then I was like oh what's the point and then emotional permanence so I know that people who struggle with guilt also feel this is like oh I, I'm starting to heal I'm starting to mm-hmm. to manage day-to-day life and then a memory might come up or they might smell a perfume or they might go into a restaurant and the favorite dish is there and they'd immediately be catapulted back into the height of the guilt um and then there's emotional permanence. So it feels like you've never felt anything outside of that feeling. Um, I just want to remind people that there is hope and healing outside yes. of that. And having the positive events, having the nice photos, mm-hmm. having good memories and holding on to the good memories is so important. Absolutely. And I think it, it becomes, um, again, it's, it's probably part of another another call and another time, but it's, you know, so that just... I won't even say that you heal because I don't believe we ever heal. It's a process and to me until we pass ourselves. I think mm-hmm. we're just in that healing process permanently to yeah. me. That's, but when you, when you feel honestly that, you know, things are getting better is when you can look back on all those memories and, and when joy starts slowly, joy, happiness, this positive overwhelming feeling starts to replace yeah, that hurt. sense of, guilt or you know hurt and as we say as well on on that side of you know that the trauma work and the, and the grief work is that and especially the very very often on the grief again be it death of a loved one or relationship or at the end of a career is um grief i would say our pain you know will will be permanent it's yeah. there all the time. The pain and the grief are permanent. They'll never go. Suffering is optional. This is where oh, I always wow. tell people is the grief and the pain. I'm not there to take the grief or the pain away. This is yours. This is mine. We hold on to that because yeah. it becomes, and I'm sorry to say, but I will, it becomes a part of who we are. These people are there or this career is there or this relationship is still there and we will heal. But the pain I mean, it's not my intention to take the pain away. It's my intention to make you understand that suffering is op- optional. It's yeah. You have the option then to yeah. stop suffering, but not to forget, you know, the pain or the grief. That circles back to what I was saying. Yeah. You have to choose uh, choose to get up in the morning and go, actually, mm-hmm. no, today I'm going to try my best to have a good day. I'm going to have my favorite breakfast. I'm going to make co- my coffee the way I like it. I'm going to I'm going to do all these things that put me in a better position to feel a bit happier. Yeah. Um, and then circling back. So I, I just want to ask you, is there ever anything that you've overcome that you you genuinely think would have knocked you down that you didn't think you'd overcome and um what advice could you take from that that you can give to our listeners that might be in the trenches Absolutely. at the moment so yeah uh, i'll share a little bit about me again here you'll probably be all sick of hearing not about at me. all you're gorgeous <laughs> thank you uh so i had some brain tumors years ago oh, wow. um between well i mean when i was living in scotland years ago i went for um, an eye test very basic eye test you know and the optician had a look, I had did like a visual field testing and, and it's a very unusual your test. So you might just have to go into a neurologist, which I was getting ready to go back to France at the time and did go into a neurologist. And he said, we, when you're back into France, 
you really need to go and see somebody in France because there is something wrong, you know, with your tests. And cut a long story short, came back to France, settled back, and I found, like, a specialist who wasn't to my liking at the time, and he said, that's nothing, just stress, and you're all good to go, you know, just have rest. And I was just coming back from a big life change, back, settled back in France. And I kept having headaches and, you know, really getting dizzy. And I was still very young and late 20s, really. And I said, I can't, I can't have this, you know, early 30s, sorry. And then I found another specialist who said, well, you have really, really bad brain tumors, you know, and oh you're liquid and your brain is basically bathing in liquid here. You know, like um, hydrocephalia thing, we call it as well. There was that as well, where, you know, a lot of water in the brain. Well, anyway, wow. <laughs> spare you all the details. But when you're very young and early 30s is very young and I'm 41 <laughs> now and I'm still very young. You are. <laughs> but early yeah. 30s. Um, so I, at that time, I said, right, I can't. I just, it was very a shock to me because yeah. I said, I can't, uh, I had a sales job or I was being very successful back, you know, on track in France. And I said, and I was also advised by the doctor to stop working and to even go because that affected my eyesight as well. I'm just cutting a long story short, but even to go on, on I think, disability benefit. And I was like, what? You come from being a sales manager with a new car and everything, and now you need to go on, like, disability benefit because you're not being able, you won't be able to work anymore. And I yeah. said, that doesn't, I, I can't do that. So Big I have to be honest change. that that gave me, a, I don't know if I call it depression, if I call it whatever, I don't know if I can put a word on it. Trauma. But a trauma, for sure, because yeah. here I was actually grieving, not even grieving, I was showing to a knowledge who who, who who am I? Like, like where, from, where am I? Yeah, from knowing you, you're always on the go. You're such a powerhouse of a woman. You're like, boom, 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 boom. So Thank to you. imagine <laughs> you to slow down, I, I don't know. How so, I but that happened. And I said, yeah. as you said before, when you have a choice in life, and I'm not talking for other people here, it's my own journey. Yeah. But I said, you either choose to whinge, moan, complain, and be disabled. Because after that, I had my first surgery... And they, they touched my spine, so I was paralyzed. Oh you know, the first surgery gosh. went wrong, so I was on my mom's couch and I couldn't even go to the, you know, to the bathroom. And when you're early 30s and your mother, who's already getting old, needs to help you, uh, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. So then I said, you have, that actually helped me reflect, being on that, you know, immobility, which mm -hmm. never happens to me, as you know, you said yeah. in the powerhouse, I'm <laughs> always on the go. And I said, I had no choice. And then I said, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to make it. Then I've, after that, actually, I did recover. I know uh, we don't have time to talk about that, but I'm a law of attraction coach as well. I've used visualization technique, mm. another um, technique to manifest, and I knew I was going to get better. You're okay now? Yes. I had two other surgeries after that, and, oh, wow. and that um, fixed everything I think. Thank God. Okay. Good. Tip <laughs> one. That's all good. I didn't think that. I would really, you know, people see again, oh, she recovered, she's strong, she'll, and I, I was like, literally, after the, la the last surgery, my only question to the surgeon was, where is my hair? <laughs> uh, my hair yeah. And where is my laptop? So I was, you know, they knew yeah. that life was back in me. But what I mean is... <clears throat> and what, what do you think was, was a key component on, on getting you through that and overcoming that? The, 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 the idea that I was supposed to do more than that. My yeah. life wasn't just being a sales manager, a sales director. And that gave me that enlightenment. You know, I don't know, aha, uh -huh, yeah, moment, strength, light bulb. Yeah. Of, and I know a lot of people have a similar story. But to me, I said, okay, God, universe, whoever is there... 
this is not the last of me. I wasn't born just to be in sales and do what I was doing. I know I have a calling. I want to honor my calling. And then came mediumship and everything came, you know, I knew I wanted to do help people through therapy. But that just, I just knew, I said, I can't go now. I have so much to do. I have a mission. Give me a chance. And I was sure really speaking, yeah. manifesting. And I said, I promise if I recover, I will get, you know, everything sorted out. I will go and find my calling, hence coming to Ireland. Because yeah. I said, no clue. I came in a suitcase and my cat left everything behind, <laughs> gave the stuff to charity, ditched the partner. I'm always laughing about this anyway. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen. No. <laughs> left you everything the cat. behind. No, I left the, the, the fella. Got, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the cat was very important. She's my baby. She's still with me. And one of the things I'm very grateful for. I was about to say, I was like, before we close, because I know you have to go, go. What are the three things that you are grateful for today? My cat. <laughs> no, because she's my spirit guide, my I angel, my cat. I met yeah. her just before moving to Ireland. A grateful for all the people in my life, I think. I mean, I have to say that the people in my family, my mom, my brother, sister, I mean, they've really been supportive. My dad in the spirit world guiding me. And all the people I've met in Ireland, my bestie here as well in Ireland, and all the new people I've met through through different organisations. And also, well, to have had a second chance in life to really do what I want. So if I can leave that with people is whatever happens to you, you know, again, I'm going to say as turn your, you know, your pain into purpose, as you say, or into wisdom, because you were born for a purpose. So don't settle. And if you see a hurdle, let it be a big health hurdle. Fight. Life is only ending, you know, when you stop fighting. And it sounds simple, but it's very powerful when you just don't give up on who you're supposed to become. Wow. That's very good advice. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. And if people want to get in contact you, with you, like how can they they contact you? Well, the <laughs> I'm obviously going to include the oh, socials because they're not going to be able to spell that. <laughs> if you just put my uh, first name and surname and Dublin in uh, any search bar, there is only one person called like me. So <laughs> you will automatically find either my Instagram, my LinkedIn, my Facebook, my TikTok. You all are the a very social person. Online. And I love people, but... Uh, my website is www.nbhypnotherapy-mindcoaching.com. We'll soon be updated with the grief work and the Reiki as well. So stay, stay tuned as well because there's so much goodness coming uh, yeah. in the next couple of months. For yeah. sure, for sure. Anyway, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. You're an absolute pleasure. I am blessed that I met you <laughs> a few months ago in the VNI. And yes, yeah, so we have to acknowledge VNI. Yeah, yeah, we do thank have you, Eva, and thank you, BNI, for yeah. putting us in touch yeah. uh, as well as other amazing people. Yeah, anyway. Thank you so much for having me and thank you, everybody. Thank you. No problem. Bye. Bye.